Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about Baby Teeth, a new movie, first time film from director Shannon Murphy. It is a fantastic debut, something that just kind of came out of nowhere for me. I was not expecting this one and it just kind of blew me away and I'm Really excited to talk about it with first-time guest Daniel Berrios, and we had a great conversation about this movie. We got into a lot of great, great puzzle pieces, and yeah, it's a fun one. So before we get into it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies that we talk about on the show and so much more. So, uh, you know, without any further ado, I'd say let's get into this episode. This is our first one for July, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird month here on the show. I, I don't think it's gonna be quite as exhaustive as June was with episodes twice a week every week, but we've got plenty of movies to cover, plenty of movies to talk about, and looking forward to talking about as many of them as we can. So let's get into this conversation about baby teeth. <music> All right, so joining me today, we've got Daniel Berrios. Daniel, how's it going, man? It is wonderful, dear, in Texas. It's finally not 90 degrees outside. When I took out the trash, it was glorious. So I'm going to take that as a harbinger <laughs> for how good the podcast is going to come out. Thank you very much for having me. I like that. I like that. That We're, we're starting off with positivity. It's it's uh, not always the easiest thing to, to do nowadays, but I, I'm very happy to hear that. Absolutely. It's rough out there, man. But hey, you just got to take it one day at a time, right? That's right. Well, Daniel, it is your first time here on Piecing It Together, and as I always like to do, I like to have my new guests introduce themselves. So why don't you tell our listeners uh, what it is that you do? Hey, everybody. My name's Daniel. I write for a website called Shuffle Online, hosted by the wonderful Catherine Gonzalez of Latinx mm-hmm. Lens, another great podcast that you should listen to as well. Uh, and I just, you know, I do a couple of reviews here and there. I've done some YouTube in the past. I've been interested in contributing online to movies since 2013, either whether it be my own blog or YouTube or Shuffle. And Shuffle's the newest incarnation. So yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to watch movies, learn about movies as humbly as I can possibly be, because I know absolutely <laughs> nothing. 
Perfect. I I kind of feel like that's the direction I come to all this from as well. So I you're in, you're in good company here, Daniel. Um, I I came to this movie Baby Teeth like totally. I I knew nothing about it going in. I just knew a whole lot of people said I should watch it, and then I I absolutely loved it. Getting that out there right up here at the top of the show. Uh, and so I just I wasn't planning on an episode or anything, but I put out there that I want to do one, and immediately Catherine as well as Rosa they both said. Daniel should do it. Um, are are you like? Are you a big like? Are you talking this movie up a lot? Is that what it is? What it what the timing of it was? I actually like wrote my review around the same time that you started uh, putting out the call. And mm-hmm. with Baby Teeth, it was something that I only knew because I got the screener for it, and then I watched it, and I ended up really digging it. It's my favorite movie of the month so far. Uh, I say that with a caveat that I haven't seen the five bloods yet, but I'm going mm-hmm. to get around to it. I've got a day off tomorrow. I can do it. But yes. uh, no, something about baby teeth. I really enjoyed how it took a story that, you know, you explain this to somebody and it sounds familiar. They sort of have to ask, you know, what's the hook of this movie? And well, the hook of the movie is just the way it's made. Just the yeah. cast, the performances, the direction, especially just it's, a big example of movie being good because of how it's made, not necessarily what's in it. So yeah, as soon as I saw something going on about baby teeth and I really wanted to talk about it with somebody and the only person I have is my wife who hasn't seen it. And then my cats <laughs> who, I mean, if I try to have a conversation with my cats, I'd have this like stop in the middle to get them food and stuff. So that'd yeah. be a fun podcast. So that's I love sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> all cats all the time. Yes. I love it. Uh, well, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking about it now, and I, I do think, I completely agree with you that this is a, a story that we've, we've seen things like it before, and I think that's going to come across as some of our puzzle pieces as, as we're going through, but it's just made so well. It's such a exciting uh, debut from this director, and really a lot of the people, uh, the, the star has really not been in that much before, and uh, so I mean, it's, it's just great to see like really fresh talent putting this thing out there and it's gonna be fun to talk about so i think we might as well jump in and get into some puzzle pieces what do you got for your first piece all right i'm gonna go with kind of the obvious one that's at first glance uh if you don't know what baby teeth is about it's about this young teen milla who's a 16 year old australian girl and she has uh she has a i don't don't know if it's spoilery to say that she had screw it she has cancer (laughs) Spoilers are fine on this show. And I'll explain (laughs) why I hesitated there in a bit. But uh, she has cancer. She's going to school one day and comes across this guy, this kind of ruffian older guy named uh, Mo. Moses. Yes, Moses. For a second, I was about to say Miles, but I think I'm getting their like couple name crossed in my head. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Moses played by Toby Wallace. Mill is played by Eliza Scanlon. And uh, they have this sort of weird friendship at first that turns into kind of like a romance. And at first glance, you're thinking, okay, sit girl, romance, it's the fault in our stars. Mm. And the reason I bring this movie up is it feels like Baby Teeth is sort of the anti version of that. And what's cool about it is uh, the fault in our stars to me has more of like a a realistic look to it. It looks kind of like suburbia. And it's got, you know, kids in a church basement, like listening to like cancer stuff. 
-hmm. but the way they talk about it and the way they address the actual thing itself, there's nothing in baby teeth that reminds me of something like there's just little infinities, then some infinities are bigger than others, kind of this flowery metaphor. Baby mm. teeth is more, even though I feel like there's a little bit more stylized there, it's kind of like a slightly hyper-realized society. Mm. Uh, not in like a sci-fi way, more in like, you know, the colors are slightly more saturated than normal. You can sure. definitely tell that this isn't an like our world with our regular story you know not many people have this specific thing happen to them or even like at most two of these specific things happening to them at the same time so it's definitely heightened in that sense but the way that the characters actually talk about the illness and the way they actually talk about their problem seems more realistic to me they're mm -hmm. not really coding it in metaphor they're just kind of living their everyday life so even though their situation is stranger than the one in a fault in our stars the way they talk about it seems more real to me. And so I thought there was kind of like an inverse going on there. Sure. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. And I think that that's, uh, that's definitely one of the main appeals. Like, you know, and I'm sure this is going to come up a few times throughout this conversation, but the, the telling someone about the movie when they've maybe seen a movie that this reminds them of a little bit, but you're like, no, but it's, it's a little bit something more than just that, you know, because it's like, it really does feel like like something a little bit special. It feels like something that, like you said, it is kind of heightened in a way that I, I wouldn't go as far as to say... Um like like going into like twee category or anything like that but it's just it's just it's just it's interesting and unique and these are really interesting characters and everybody is so well fleshed out and you really get such a sense of all of these people and they all have their their issues and they all have their uh interaction with each other in different ways and and it's really just a really well put together thing i think there's there's so much uh so much to gain from these characters that's really what it is uh in the movie i feel like uh the movie is based on a play i think by the same writer of the film a right a rita calnage i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong but uh it definitely you can kind of tell the fault in our stars was written was based off of a novel because some of these stories will kind of like just explain everything to you. And what mm. I loved about baby teeth is that it's very much a vignette movie. It's kind of breaking things up. You don't need to know, you don't, you don't need to be spoon fed everything. That's why sure. I said it was kind of like a spoiler because the beginning of the movie is just boy meets girl. Mm. And you don't really learn about the cancer until maybe 20 minutes in. And then mm. suddenly there's like a little bent that that takes on it. That, you know, that plays to real life. Like you don't meet somebody and go, hey, David, my name's Daniel. I've got terminal cancer. Like you sure. don't really address that to people. Some people may do, some people may don't. But um, this, would be, this would be an interesting podcast today. It but, would be uh, an amazing <laughs> icebreaker. Like the worst, like you go to work at a new job and they're like, hey, tell us something about yourself. Well, have I got a story for you? Oh, and, yeah. if, and does anybody have good bone marrow? <laughs> Just putting that out there. But uh, yeah, there's something more realistic in the way these characters come across. And I think most of that is from the writing, which just seems to strip away the fat and go really into what these characters are all about, the struggles they're going into, but also the performances. Because these sure. actors, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn does so much with a mustache and sad puppy <laughs> eyes that just... Oh, yeah. 
better than most just filmographies, in my opinion. Oh, he's so good in it. He is so good. Uh, well, I will jump into my first puzzle piece, and this was the, I think, The Fault in Our Stars absolutely is is an unavoidable one when it comes to talking about this movie, and I think this is as well, and that is 2015's Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, a movie that I feel like everybody loved when it came out, and now maybe it's getting a little backlash, it seems like. I don't know. I feel like when when you bring this movie up, people are like, ugh, that? And it's like, I don't know. I still... I only saw it the one time when it first came out. I, I remember liking it quite a bit. I think it's a really sweet story. I think uh, the, the performances, I mean, Olivia Cook's great. Uh, I thought everybody in it is great. I think, you know, it's definitely got a little bit of a quirkiness to it and everything like that. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's very sentimental and all that. But then it's also really fun and sweet and funny. And fun is a weird word for a movie about a young girl <laughs> dying of cancer. But, I mean, it really does seem to ride that line really well. And I feel like these three movies really kind of fit a... Uh, like their own little subgenre in a way and are a really great place to start this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's weird that the 16 subgenre is now a subgenre of the coming of age genre, which I mean, I think the last decade has been the best decade for this type of movie point blank period, like yeah. more than more so than the eighties I'd argue. Cause there's just <laughs> so many specific different stories that kind of like found their own place in the way we kind of like grow up as people. And mm -hmm. I think with me, Earl and the Dying Girl, thinking about that movie, thinking about Fault in Our Stars, that word quirky, I heard another podcast describe Baby Teeth that way. And I wouldn't necessarily call Baby Teeth quirky, but more wry and sort mm. of sly. It's, it's a darker kind of uh sometimes almost gallows humor about it sure especially with the way the parents who uh, spoiler alert are not the best parents in the world there's right. this great scene when they're sitting there like we are like this is the worst fucking parenting in the world right and they're kind of laughing yeah. about it that kind of tone is really what separates i think baby teeth apart from other movies that are kind of like either based on a novel or more approaching the kind of like we're trying to handles cancer which is such a delicate subject with kind of like this fun entertainment side of it whether sure. it being kind of like the cute flowery metaphor or like the guys that are making parodies of like popular movies with like mm -hmm. pun titles like that kind of stuff uh i guess it's just a different approach and i know some people that like something like fault in our stars and me Earl and the dying girl they may look at this and may think uh there, are there more jokes to this? Sure, yeah. Are, does it move a little faster? Is there Are there more pop songs? Because the movie does have kind of its own kind of easygoing pace. But if you're kind of looking at me, you're on the dying girl, and you're just kind of like, eh, I'm not really vibing with how humorous this is all the time. I think Baby Teeth might be a little bit more tempered down. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just depends on your taste, I guess. For sure, for sure. I, I love also um, one more point on that. Uh, as far as like the parents, you know, not necessarily being the greatest parents in the world. And I, I love that's I think the thing that I like the most about this movie is how it, it ultimately becomes about like the priorities of the situation of like, you know, this girl is dying. Let's just ignore the fact that she's with a 23 year old drug addict, you know, boyfriend, <laughs> and even though she's 15 and like, I mean, it's uh, just, I, I just think that that's so, 
it's so it's crazy but at the same time it's just it's kind of right in the moment for these people you know yeah uh and are are we are we in full spoilers at this point yes absolutely okay, cool. I, I i am fully okay with the spoilers as okay, our listeners cool, because this is something that as soon as you hear it um i think the screenplay actually works really well to navigate that point because as soon as you mention uh the whole age gap immediately mm. like in my chest like you know your butt tightens a little bit right, like, right. Oh, i don't know how i feel about this i like the scene where she's trying to lie about his age but he's fully open with it <laughs> I like that. i don't even know if he knew her age at that point <laughs> he's not hiding this because yeah. he doesn't need to hide it it hasn't gone in a weird i never really get a predatory vibe with mo and again i know that's something that we don't you know, we don't need to be blind to. Sure. But I think the movie's smart in the way it handles exactly what steps he takes with her. As terrible as it is, I had to look up the age of consent in Australia, <laughs> and it turns out, like, on the night of her 17th birthday, which is the legal age of consent, that's when she has sex for the first time. I can't mm. imagine that's a mistake. I can't imagine that's an oversight that has to be playing into i guess an overall theme in this movie about the kind of gray areas of life the transitional areas of life that sure. you know this i think i put some of this in my review but the phrase high school never ends mm -hmm. and that's kind of why i love that the parents in this movie are not just the parents dealing with the kid but the parents dealing with their own stuff because yeah, yeah. the stuff that plagues you as a teenager will ultimately follow you into adulthood some movies will take that as a curse. In Baby Teeth, I kind of found that as a little bit of hope. That, sure. you know, it's not that you have to have everything figured out by the time that you're old enough to have a 16-year-old daughter, but that you're consistently growing. Sure. And so that idea of, like, uh, you know, shedding your baby teeth. You know, mm. the baby teeth pop out in the bloody uh, water. It's like, it's bloody, it's a violin, it's not really gross, but it's necessary for growth. And I think that right. movie's addressing set, too. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, so what do you got for your next piece? My next piece is uh, sticking with the vibe. Uh, I was, I think I was tweeting about this and I was like, it's like Greta Gerwig meets Jim Jarmusch. So my <laughs> next one is a Jim Jarmusch movie called Patterson. Uh, okay. I'm not a, I'm not an aficionado on Jarmusch, but this is the first movie of his I saw. And what I love about it, and I kind of what I love about Baby Teeth 2, is that kind of matter-of-fact, lackadaisical pace that's going on. It's not that really point A means point B and such and such. You're just kind of picking moments of these characters' lives. And through that, you kind of start to figure out what they're about, what that means to them. And with Patterson, it's so much a movie about just kind of like hanging back and watching the day in this guy's life. There's not yeah. really a like a big interaction. It doesn't feel like Jarmusch is playing God with Adam Driver and just throwing random shit to see what sticks. It just feels like this is just a day, a week in Adam Driver's life that just so happens to have a couple of like weird, crazy situations. Sure. So with Baby Teeth, I guess part of this being a play where they have these little titles before each scene well, like one could be isolation. One could be when Mila met Moses. When Moses met spaghetti was one of the titles. <laughs> and then my favorite title, which is fuck this. You know, yeah. like as soon as you read that, it is presented as a joke. But you understand that like, oh, this is the part where, you know, 
we talk about this moment in her life or this moment in her life. It's not necessarily driven by a typical, I guess, third act structure. Mm. And so I like that sort of slow moving kind of just hang out movie, you know, something like a Richard Linklater's films have, you know, I feel like that would be appropriate comparison. Yeah, no, I I think that that's a really interesting one. And I I could totally see where you're coming from with a lot of that. And I I think that, you know, this movie, the way that you get all these little slices of really, I mean, all four of these major characters um, and you you really get so much of a wide uh, range of knowledge of of who these people are. I mean, it's a a really uh, well done thing to be able to know so much about these characters when it's not just about any given one of them i mean it it really it goes in so many different directions so many times and yet it doesn't feel like anybody is cheated of their moments to like really get to learn about them exactly and i like that each person in this film gets a time to be quiet and to be alone and kind of stew uh, I also like that there are some things. Uh, do we ever really learn why Essie Davis's Anna uh, stopped playing the piano? No, do I don't know think the we specific- do. And that feels appropriate to me because, again, if I walk into a room for the icebreaker, even if I've known you for a few months, that might not be something you're ready to put out. And that's right. okay. You just know that there's some kind of baggage holding on. And I think. Uh, with regular narrative structure, we've kind of been expected to try and learn every single thing in two hours right. at once. And sometimes it's good to just, especially in a movie that's trying to treat these subjects and these people as kind of real as possible, given mm-hmm. you know the crazy circumstances they're in, it's good to leave some pieces of information out. It's good to just kind of treat people like regular people. For sure. So I will go to my next piece, and I don't know, I think this one might be uh, a little, a little uh, bit of a stretch maybe, but I, I thought of the 2016 A24 film American Honey from director Andrea Arnold. Um, I just, I thought, first of all, on two different levels, I, I thought of this movie. First of all, uh, Moses just felt like he could have been a character right off the bus in, in American Honey. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. I haven't seen it, I, but I know, like, I remember that trailer, and I know uh-huh. that vibe, and it fits perfectly. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's very yeah. easy to see Moses being played by, like, Shia LaBeouf with a rat tail. Totally. Absolutely. He is, he's got a lot of sh- Shia energy in this thing. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's that. And then also, I feel like when uh, Millie is getting out essentially we don't know if it's her first time really getting out but i mean she's young and there's really probably wasn't that many opportunities for her to get out as you know having cancer and everything mm-hmm. um and being still in high school so when she's getting out and being introduced to this like just crazy youth fun nightlife situation you know it's just kind of like her getting brought into this just crazy high energy world and it's a little bit reminiscent of just I, I kind of feel as the audience member going into this world that American Honey kind of takes you into, where it's just like you're like, man, these uh, these young kids are pretty crazy nowadays, aren't they? You know, <laughs> just watching them party and doing the shit that they do, you know. And uh, so these I, kids I, out here just yeah. wilding. <laughs> I'm 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 getting my uh, my old man uh, 
energy into this episode, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I just felt a little bit of that going on, especially though some of that Shia LaBeouf feeling of, of the Moses character. It's the kind of down and dirty character that guy would play. I don't know if it's me, but Wallace is like my MVP of this movie, Toby Wallace. He's just got such a vivacious energy to him. And I mean, shout out goes to the costuming and the wardrobe for this because immediately he sticks out he's got this rat tail in the back and <laughs> he's got these short shorts that like one sneeze and the nuts are out and it's just terrible <laughs> but you look at this guy and he is so genuinely sweet like you yeah. really see this baby face puppy dog look to him but he's also can be really just messed up yeah. and you have this feeling of this like eternal fuck up going on right that no matter what he does or what his best intentions are, he's always going to find the worst way to do that. And yeah. so that consistent, like, God, I want better from you and you're showing me better. I just love that adrenaline that that yeah. performance brings. And I guess yeah. that's the energy I bring to it. Uh, Zone with American Honey, though, that I, I think that vi there, there's definitely a vibe there, too, that you... Uh, from what I've heard of American Honey, it's one of those movies where it's technically like our world, but it's so crazy that you can't quite believe it. And I feel exactly. like Teeth is kind of in that way, too. That sort of like truth is stranger than fiction thing. Sure. So there might be a little bit of that in there, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, I mentioned Gerwig, so I'm bringing out Lady Bird. I know cool. the internet's going to be like, all right, fine. God, stop talking about Greta Gerwig for five minutes. I promise <laughs> I won't take that long. Uh, for me, it's just the mother-daughter relationship that I found between Eliza Scanlon's uh, Mila and Essie Davis's Anna. And I haven't seen Essie Davis in a lot, like since Duke. It's bizarre yeah. to me. I don't know if she's doing a lot in Australian film. And we just happened to get, you know, the few exports, but whatever. Uh that sort of contentious relationship. And while I felt in Lady Bird, it was very much uh, Saoirse and Laurie were basically playing the before and after of each other in sure. a sense, or maybe like Saoirse sees, I will become her in the exact same spot if I don't make these tweaks there. And Laurie Metcalf's just like, well, you're making these tweaks that I, I'm really scared of because I wanted to make those tweaks, but I never did. And I just want mm -hmm. what's best for you. I'm scared that you'll end up in a worse place than me, that sort of thing. But I really like that in Baby Teeth, they are separate people. I never yeah. got the vibe that even though they were fighting, even though they uh, – I, I don't really know what Anna wants for Mila other than for Mila just to plain old be happy. And sure. Mila just wants to kind of live her life and embrace the stuff that I guess Anna is a little – is just too anxious or, I mean, rightfully so. She's got a daughter who's dying. And so right. that kind of stuff would knock out all the creative energy out of you to, you know, not want to play the piano anymore. And I like that in a way, because she's lost that for herself, she doesn't want Mila to lose it. So she's like forcing it on her. And that's why yeah. I love the scene where Mila like has the violin and just eats it across the room. Yeah. I don't even know if it. <laughs> I don't even know if it like got a dent or in there or something, or if she like broke a string. But uh, <laughs> that sort of contention, that relationship, I thought, was kind of reminiscent. And also this idea of, I think Shannon Murphy's just got a strong vision of what she wants with this movie. And with Gerwig, that was apparent. Sure. 
Like as soon as I saw Lady Bird, I saw the shots that she chose. I saw the pace. I felt yeah. the way she uh, framed and blocked that stuff just drew to me. And one of the things I really loved in Baby Teeth, that part at the end uh, when Essie, when uh, Anna is crying in Moses' arms, there's a shot that's like shot from wide away and it's a handheld shot. So it's kind of shaking, but it's shaking like a lot to the point where it almost would be too much. And then I was reminded of something mm. that uh, John Favreau was talking to Martin Scorsese about and Casino. There's a shot where like uh, Sharon Stone is crying and Robert De Niro is consoling her and there's a camera bump. And that's a technical mistake. Like that's an error. But Scorsese, right. well, Murphy, like Scorsese, just focuses on performance. That emotion mm. is strong enough that, you know, it could be that she's just holding the camera and getting lost in her own, you know, seeing these people cry it out. And it really could have been sure. affecting them. I don't know that for sure, but I like the, I guess, courage a director would have to see a shot that may not be pristine, may not be perfect, but because the emotion is so raw and heartfelt and it really like tears your soul inside out, that's the take yeah. you keep in the film. That's so. exciting for a uh, for a debut filmmaker right? to, to do something like that. Yeah, I oh, mean that, that's how that's how you know someone is someone's electric and has something to say. You know, absolutely. So, what do you got, man? So, I'm gonna go for my next one. So this one is more. Uh, I mean, there's a feeling I think that that connects as well, but it's mostly for a specific scene. Uh, and that's Sofia Coppola's The Virgin Suicides. Um, Yo, and I was just that too. Were you? Yeah, with yeah, the leaving, the, leaving her in the that that moment, leaving her in in, yeah. in the middle of the night, and you're just like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> what are you it's doing? So rough. Yeah. Oh man, especially like the next morning, you just see her get up, and uh, what I loved about that scene when she's dancing. You kind of touched on it earlier, like it's her first time in this world, but I think it's her first time in this world where her experiences are like purely her own. Sure. And she's truly like experiencing a new thing without the influence of Moses or her parents who are trying to push her one way or whatnot. And the shot I love when she's like making out with that one person under all those like disco lights or whatnot, that to me kind uh -huh. of symbolized the whole, like this is her first step into adulthood so to speak sort of maturity sure. and then that morning comes and she's a little kid again right. terrified alone and your heart just goes out because like moses you piece of shit what were you doing <laughs> he, what he's just you doing and you know you know that guy's his heart's in the right place but he's just he can't do the right thing you just simply can't and <laughs> i love Again, another great choice of not showing us everything. We never really see what happened that night. You yeah, never claims really he went back, way. but you know you just don't know. You absolutely don't, and that kind of keeps that mystery, and you don't really know where he's coming at. Truly, yeah, uh, you don't know whenever Henry finally like confronts him and says, "Look, I I can get you drugs. Come home because it's good for her." Like mm -hmm. again, you don't ever really know if he loved her to that point maybe sure. afterwards he realized whenever she passed and whenever you know all that kind of emotion has come back up maybe he realized that he did truly love her but i always love that mystery and so right. yeah that shot that scene was like oh my god 
Yeah. And after such a, uh, you know, we were talking about it during that last piece about just how, uh, you know, just how much energy there is to that whole sequence of, of her going out and, and into this world of, you know, just exciting youth culture and everything. And she's experiencing it for the first time and just having this just incredibly, insanely fun time for the really kind of the first time ever. And then for it to just end that way, it's like, there's, you know, and, and you know that she's got this kind of cloud over her anyway, just because of, you know, her condition. And it's like right. just those two levels of, uh, of having such an amazing time with that, knowing that it's not going to end, nothing ends well, you know? Yeah, that's the kind of fleeting moment of yeah. it all. I mean, and to make the matters worse, like he helped her get out of that situation where she's getting wasted and she's throwing up because of course, you know, your first time chugging too much vodka, you're going to mess up. And that ends in such a sweet place. And to see that go back, that yeah. back and forth, I think got a little bit more violent as the movie went along. And so at a point where I thought like, oh man, this guy's might be irredeemable. The movie somehow finds a way to bring you back mm -hmm. to his side. And that's such a, that's such a lesson in empathy yeah. that it's really hard to nail, especially on a debut. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what do you got next? All right. Uh, this is my last one. Okay. And uh, this one is About Time by uh, Richard Curtis. Mm -hmm. It's I chose it because I feel like Baby Teeth is one of those movies that doesn't necessarily jump genre as wildly as About Time does. But you start out the movie, it's like a boy meets girl, kind of like a cute teen romance thing. And then you've got like, a, oh, it's a sick teen movie. And then you're like, no, you're talking to the parents, too. So it's kind of just like a regular family drama. But then there's like a dark comedy element to it. And so it's kind of bouncing around between a lot of these uh, feels of what the movie could be. It's never really just one thing, but ultimately mm -hmm. ends in, I guess, a more of like a, I guess with the lesson that's a little bit more human or like a theme that's a little bit more like universal. And I feel sure. like About Time is the same way. You get introduced to it as kind of this sci-fi rom-com where, you know, it's Donald Gleason figuring out he can travel backwards and forwards and time within his own life and then he uses that to fall in love with rachel mcadams and mm. that in any other movie that would just be it but that's only half the movie and then the rest of it is dealing with time travel as your life progresses it's the, asking the question like you know what happens after you get the girl and that part is so fascinating to me and it ultimately ends up i guess being more again of this sort of like universal theme of dealing with love and dealing with time and dealing with you know what are you going to do with that time i feel like baby teeth is tapping into some of that too tapping into like again growth kind of like uh how you're going to use the time that you have how you're going to love the people that are around you that kind of thing right. so i feel like if your heart is shredded to pieces at the end of baby teeth you watch about time as a, like a, a chaser and i think you'll be <laughs> back to back to even again I and actually also, have never seen it, oh, uh, so I, I might have to. I might have to watch that one of these days. That was one where it was Catching Fire weekend, and I looked at the tickets, and I was like, there is no way I'm going to be in here with a thousand screaming fans for a movie <laughs> that like I've never read the book for, and I'm not going to be like 
leaning and cracking my neck to see the screen. So I was like, you know what? Let me check this about time thing out. I've never like whatever, screw it. And then I mm. walked in and that movie blew me away. Mm. I mean, Bill Nye in that movie will make you cry. Donald Gleason is better than he's ever been. Rachel McAdams is one of our finest actresses, point blank period. And you've got like a young Margot Robbie in there too. And just, mm. it's got that, you know, if you're a big fan of Richard Curtis's movies, the whole Love Actually is of the world, that movie fits his oeuvre, but I think it's achieving so much more with surprising elements. Again, it's For a time sure. travel movie. It's sci-fi, but yeah, definitely <laughs> one you recommend. I recommend that to you wholeheartedly, man. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. It sounds great. Um, so, all right, I got my last piece here, and uh, it's one we actually just did on the show just recently as a, uh, a full episode of our Missing Pieces series. It is Garden State from Zach Braff. Uh, I think that there's a lot going on in this movie, what with, you know, medications, uh, people wanting to get off of medications, people wanting to, you know, get better. There's also the dad who is the uh, psychiatrist prescribing medications for people. That I just think that, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and then on top of that, also there's a fantastic soundtrack, just lots of great music in this movie, That's which true. I think usually when I think of movies from the last 20 years especially that have great soundtracks i mean garden state is just a classic you know uh again one that's a blind spot to me but i see the vibe is uh, don't panic is playing in my head right now and For that's sure. what uh <laughs> is is going on but yeah definitely the whole medication thing is such an intriguing turn because it's one of the movies that you know, you see sick teen movies like this. I don't think I've really seen many movies address the opioid crisis that we're all in. Right, right. And I guess the, uh, you know, I work at a pharmacy and seeing just the sheer amount of people that are on stuff like Xanax and Valium and Clonopin mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It's kind of like, wow, this stuff is, it's so much quieter. Nobody really talks about it in the way they do other drugs, but, you know, this stuff does really affect people and it does kind of, yeah. if handled incorrectly, can really be a problem. So I like that this movie just kind of casually tossed it on in. They're like, yeah, this is the thing that happens. And in the weirdest, like strangest scene possible, like <laughs> she's got Xanax and they're fucking on top of his table. And you're just like, what is happening, mm -hmm. man? But, you know, that's an introduction yeah, right there. Absurd you found some nuggets of truth and i i like that so awesome. how okay awesome. how is garden what is garden state i've never actually Gar known what this movie's about garden state is um, a movie that i kind of like i was saying earlier with uh me myself and or i mean me uh and earl and the dying girl me, myself and irene is, yeah me myself and irene uh it's a movie that like people really have gotten down on over the years even though everybody loved it when it came out but um you know i mean i think the reason people don't like it is because it's written directed and starring zach braff and it, it's clearly just like such a uh like a vanity piece. And it's also like, like a kind of, this movie is going to be the voice of the generation kind of a movie and to write that for yourself and direct that for yourself. You know what I mean? It, it's just a big yeah. lofty goal to okay. really like shoot for on your debut, <laughs> you know? And I think, I think that kind of maybe rubs okay, people the wrong way, but well, I mean, it's basically, 
Yeah, right. I mean, basically, it's a, it's about a uh, a guy who you know is on all kinds of medication, written by his dad. Uh, his dad is his psychiatrist, and uh, he goes home for his mom's funeral. Uh, who has been um, uh, paralyzed uh, all his life, and he. He just doesn't feel anything about it, but he has to go back. And through reconnecting with old friends, he uh, and meeting a new person, kind of like learns to like let go and start to you know enjoy life again, like that kind of a thing. And it's it's a it's an all right movie. I think it's it's good. And I mean, if nothing else, the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, when you were addressing the medication thing, there's that element in Baby Teeth that's really interesting to me is the Mendelssohn trying to craft the family that he doesn't have you know there's the Mm -hmm. obvious you know him going out hanging out with the pregnant girl and then they eventually make out at one point because there's that weird like sexual tension between them but there's that line that Mila says when she's like oh you've been doping her up so much like you're trying to make her normal and Mm -hmm. that feeling of like you're trying to fix other people around you to fix your own life, that kind of abuse in that way. Everybody's abusive to each other in some way, shape or form in this movie. I think Mila comes out unscathed, but you can argue like her sneaking out in the middle of the night Mm. and like using this boy as kind of like revenge against her parents or her life she has potentially. I don't know, but uh, that specific kind (laughs) of abuse is just uh, again, something that I hadn't really seen in film and again, you know, maybe I need to see Garden yeah. State and open myself up. But yeah, I just hadn't seen that before. So I think I'm going to go ahead and do the finished puzzle. And we'll get into some closing thoughts about Baby Teeth. Uh, we talked about The Fault in Our Stars, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Patterson, Lady Bird, The Virgin Suicides, About Time, and Garden State. Uh, I think... A great list of movies. Of course, we got in there all of the dying teen subgenre. <laughs> we definitely fit them all in, and that that was necessary. Uh, you know, anybody who hasn't seen the movie, obviously, we've gotten into spoilers throughout. You should have watched it first. But uh, anyone yeah. who hasn't seen the movie, just you know, yes, I think it fits squarely into that subgenre. But at the same time, like we've been saying through this whole thing. I mean, I really think this movie has a little bit more on its mind, and I think it's just so well-crafted. It's so well-acted. I mean, every one of these main four actors, I just think, is just top of the line, just really uh, some of my favorite stuff I've seen this year. It's also got great music to it, great score. It's, um, it, you know, it's funny when it wants to be, even though it's a it's a heavy movie as well. Um, but I, I just think I couldn't recommend it enough. I echo pretty much every single statement here. Uh, this is the best ensemble I've seen currently this year. Again, haven't seen The Five Bloods, so don't come at me yet. <laughs> yet. But... Uh, for me, Toby Wallace is like my supporting actor right now. I think that kid is electric and I want him to be in every single movie. Eliza Scanlon, I hadn't seen Little Women yet, but she oh, in this great. one, there's just like, uh, she makes it look effortless. There's mm-hmm. such a range and I love how bratty she can be. Like that part where she's like sticking out her tongue to her mom. So like, <laughs> like mocking her behind her back. <laughs> And yeah. the way she really gets into it, like a, like a teen would, I, I just like all these little moments. Again, Essie Davis and Ben Mendelsohn, who knew I needed that couple in my life? Those people, right. fantastic character actors abroad. Even uh, the side people, 
you know, the pregnant mm-hmm. chick we mentioned earlier, the music teacher, uh, oh, even the one girl in the bathroom whenever uh, she's uh, wanting to ask Mila about her wig. I thought she pulled her performance off well as too. Oh, so yeah. it shows to me that Murphy has not only a strong eye for just how the movie should be paced and how the movie should look, but also how to direct these actors. And again, from a debut, this is a feature debut. That's stellar. And I am just ecstatic to see what she has next for us. Before we wrap this thing up, is there another movie you saw recently that you really loved that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, let me grab Letterboxd here. Uh, I rewatched Airplane for a while back. Uh, nice. This has been a weird. This has been a weird month for plane movies. Oh, I saw Top Gun for the very, very first time the other day, and that okay. movie is it's dumb as hell, but I really loved. Uh, I fell in love with Tony Scott with that movie because mm-hmm. I'd only seen Deja Vu beforehand. No true romance. No man on fire. Nothing. And Top Gun, I just love the way that man would just frame a shot. Like, there's right. something, uh, I think, like, Tom Cruise is standing in the locker room, and he's getting chewed out by one of the officers. The officer walks away, Tom Cruise walks away, and the camera move that follows Iceman into the next shot is smooth like butter. Mm. And it's one of those things that, like, if you're paying attention, you're just like, oh, my God, this man knows what he's doing, and I want more. So even a stupid, sometimes jingoistic movie like Top Gun (laughs) can be made amazing by a great director. So I credit Top Gun with turning me on to a a new face that I'm excited to follow. So yeah, if you've never seen Top Gun, go check that out. I I actually haven't seen it since uh, I was, I don't know, probably eight or something like that, you know? So it's it's on my list to rewatch before that new one comes out, if it ever comes out because who knows what's happening with the world, but that's yeah. another story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that trailer looks great though. It like, sure Joe does. He knows how to, how to, how to do a trailer. Right. You know what? I, I don't necessarily need to see tenant in IMAX, but I do need to see the new top gun. in IMAX. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'll watch tenant on an iPhone. That's fine. <laughs> if I'll I have watch, to, I'll that's watch tenant on like a digital etch a sketch if possible. <laughs> but I don't know. Something about those plain shots and top gun are just so glassy. I love it. Oh, it's like yeah. watching a tech demo. Oh, can't Hopefully wait. the movie's better than a tech demo. Yeah, I, I hope so too. <laughs> so Daniel, where can people find your uh, work? Uh, they can find me on shuffleonline.net. I should have a couple reviews coming out there pretty soon. And you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel Berrios. That is B-E-R-R-I-O-S 93. And if you want to yell at me or recommend Tony Scott movies, go ahead and tweet me that too. Love it. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing the show. It was a great time. And maybe we'll get you back one of these days. I would love to. This has been awesome, man. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. We're queer. We're geeks. We're We're queeks. Superheroes, Star Wars, Broadway, Drag Race. So if you're super gay, super nerdy, or anything in between, listen to Queeks today. Wherever fine podcasts are sold. And find us on Instagram at Queeks Podcast. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about baby teeth. Uh, Definitely seek out that movie if you haven't seen it yet. Really, really great. It's out now on VOD. I wish I had gotten to see it in a theater. I don't know if it was ever even planned for theaters. The way things are now, I don't know that anything is planned for theaters anymore, but 
you know, it is what it is. We're living in this world that we're living in, and uh, as long as movies keep coming, I'm I'm happy to get them however we can get them. Don't forget to check out our uh, Top 10 Movies of the Year So Far special episode that came out last week. It's a fun one with Josh Bell. We get into a lot of great recommendations there. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. You can make sure you are subscribed to the show on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And if you want to support the show, just share us. We really appreciate it when you share our episodes. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also go check out our Patreon where we post advanced episodes and, you know, throw a couple bucks that way if you want to. Uh, But mostly we're just happy you're out there listening and we really appreciate it when you share the show. So make sure to do that and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So got plenty of piecing it together coming your way, but July is going to be a bit of a weird month as I focus most of my time on finishing up my next album. But before I play you more from the next album, which I've, I've played a couple of tracks here and there at the ends of shows, uh, some of the new stuff that I've been working on, let's go to my most recent album, Beater, original motion picture soundtrack, which, if you've never heard of it before, it is the film score for a movie called Beater that's coming out later this year that I scored, a feature film. And then combining that with a whole bunch of music from other films that I scored for the same director. 34 tracks in total, an hour and 45 minutes of music. It's pretty much a six-year collection of music. Just a lot of stuff that I've done over the years and I'm really proud of it. A lot of, a lot of stuff on there that I just think I'm really happy to release in an album format. And it's, it's a collection of so many films that I worked on, you know? So I'm going to play a track off that. And this is from actually a short film called to cherish the time. And the track is called my love. And I'm going to close this episode out with this track, My Love. The album is Beater, original motion picture soundtrack. It is available wherever music is available. There's also a uh, shortened 10-song playlist on Spotify with what I think is the 10 best tracks off the album. So if you just want to check it out, here's some of the stuff without getting into the extensive hour and 45-minute runtime. You can check that out over on my Spotify page. Search for David Rosen. But uh, yeah, this is my love. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together next week.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. Oh, you're back. Sorry, it, it cut out there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw, I saw you smiling like a proud dad for a second. I was like, did I really, like, impress him? Like, holy shit, is he, yeah. like... That, I mean, I, I was just, I needed a moment, man. You know? <laughs> <He was touched. laughs>